Chapter Two of In New England Fields and Woods by Roland E. Robinson. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eva Davis. March Days. Back and forth across the land, in swift and sudden alternation, the March winds toss days of bitter cold and days of genial warmth, now out of the eternal winter of the north, now from the endless summer of the tropics. Repeated thawing and freezing has given the snow a coarse grain. It is like a mass of fine hailstones, and with no hint of the soft and feathery flakes that waver down like white blossoms shed from the unseen bloom of some far-off upper world, and that silently transformed the unseemliness of the black and tawny earth into the beauty of immaculate purity. One day, when the wind breathes from the south a continuous breath of warmth, your feet sink into this later coarseness, come of its base earthly association, with a grinding slump, as in loose wet sand, so deep, perhaps, that your tracks are gray puddles, marking your toilsome way. As you wallow on, or perch for a moment's rest on a naked fence-top among the smirched drifts, you envy the crows faring so easily along their aerial paths above you. How pleasant are the voices of these returning exiles, not enemies now, but friendly messengers bringing tidings of spring. You do not begrudge them the meager feasts they find, the frozen apple still hanging, brown and wrinkled, in the bare orchard, or the winter-killed youngling of flock or herd, cast forth upon a dunghill and which discovered one generous vagabond calls all his black comrades to partake of watching them as they lag across the sky yet swifter than the white clouds drift above them you presently note that these stand still as you may verify by their blue shadows on the snow lying motionless with the palpitating shadows of the crows plunging into them on this side then lost for an instant in the blue obscurity, then emerging on that side, with the same untiring beat of shadowy wings. A puff of wind comes out of the north, followed by an angry gust, and then a howling wintry blast that the crows stagger against in labored flight as they make for the shelter of the woods. You, too, toil to shelter and fireside warmth, and are thankful to be out of the biting wind and the treacherous footing. The change has come so suddenly that the moist, grainy snow is frozen before it has time to leach, and in a little while gives you a surface most delightful to walk upon, and shortens distances to half what they were. It has lost its first pure whiteness, wherewith no other whiteness can compare, but is yet beyond all things else, and in the sunlight dazzles you with a broad glare and innumerable scintillating points of light, as intense as the sun itself. The sunshine, the bracing air, the swaying boughs of the pines and hemlocks beckoning at the woodside, and the firm, smooth footing irresistibly invite you forth. Your feet devour the way with crisp bites, and you think that nothing could be more pleasant to them 
till you are offered a few yards of turf laid bare by winds and sun and you realize that nothing is quite so good as the old standby a naked ground and crave more of it even as this is and hunger for it with its later garnishing of grass and flowers the crows too are drawn to these bare patches and are busy upon them and you wonder what they can find spiders perhaps for these you may see in thawy days crawling sluggishly over the snow where they must have come from the earth the woods are astir with more life than a month ago the squirrels are busy and noisy the chickadees throng about you sometimes singing their sweet brief song of three notes the nuthatches pipe their tiny trumpets in full orchestra and the jays are clamoring their ordinary familiar cries with occasional notes that you do not often hear one of these is a soft rapidly uttered cluck the bird all the time dancing with his body but not with his feet to his own music which is pleasant to the ear especially when you remember it is a jay's music which in the main cannot be recommended today doubtless he is practicing the allurements of the mating season you hear the loud cackle of a logcock making the daily round of his preserves but you are not likely to get more than a glimpse of his black plumage or a gleam of his blood-red crest by rare luck you may hear the little acadian owl filing his invisible saw but you are likelier to see him and mistake him for a clot of last year's leaves lodged midway in their fall to earth the forest floor barred and netted with blue shadows of trunks and branches is strewn with dry twigs evergreen leaves shards of bark and shreds of tree moss and lichen with heaps of cone scales the squirrel's kitchen middens the sign of a partridge's nightly roosting similar traces of the hare's moonlight wanderings and perhaps a fluff of his white fur showing where his journeys have ended forever in a fox's maw here and there the top of a cradle knoll crops out of the snow with its patches of green moss sturdy upright stems and leaves and red berries of wintergreen as fresh as when the first snow covered them a rusty trail of mayflower leaves and the flat-pressed purple lobes of squirrel cup with a downy heart of buds full of the promise of spring the woods are filled with a certain subtle scent quite distinct from the very apparent resinous and balsamic aroma of the evergreens that eludes description but is a kind of freshness that tickles the nose with longing for a more generous waft of it you can trace it to no source as you can the odors of the pine and the hemlocks or the sweet fragrance of the boiling sap coming from the sugar maker's camp with a pungent mixture of wood smoke you are also made aware that the skunk has been abroad that reynard is somewhere to windward and by an undescribed generally unrecognized pungency in the air that a gray squirrel lives in your neighborhood yet among all these more potent odors you still discover the subtle exhalation perhaps of the earth filtered upward through the snow perhaps the first awakening breath of all the deciduous trees 
Warmer shines the sun, and warmer blows the wind from southern seas and southern lands. More and more the tawny earth comes in sight among puddles of melted snow, which bring the mirrored sky and its fleecy flock of clouds, with treetop turned topsy-turvy, down into the bounds of fields. The brooks are alive again and babbling noisily over their pebbled beds, and the lake, hearing them, groans and cries for deliverance from its prison of ice. The sun and the south wind, which perhaps bears some faint breath of stolen fragrance from far-off violet banks, tempt forth the bees, but they find no flowers yet, not even a squirrel cup or a willow catkin, and can only make the most of the fresh sawdust by the woodpile and the sappy ends of maple logs. Down from the sky, whose livery he wears and whose song he sings, comes the heavenly carol of the bluebird. The song sparrow trills his cheery melody. The first robin is announced today, and we cry, Lo, spring has come! But tomorrow may come winter and longer waiting. End of chapter 2 March Days